0: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. Today we're going to be talking about the elephant in the room. You may be wondering what this title means. It represents the ivory carvings or piano keys or billiard ball balls or religious artifacts that sit in our living rooms. Each piece representing both honor and death, the honor of art and culture in the Asian household, religion from Christianity to Catholicism all the way to the Vatican, and the death of a piece of our wild world. The loss of life for the hundreds of thousands of elephants taken for this most favored material by carvers from the ancient world and even more so today. Which, like that old saying, when there is a huge issue no one wants to address, the elephant in the room, we are highlighting, al- highlighting how elephants play a part in so many aspects of our lives, whether they live in our backyard or how they will affect our future, even if we live 26,000 miles away from the nearest wild elephant's. Most people get involved in conservation, specifically wildlife conservation, because of a love of animals. What our wild world aims to accomplish is give everyday people information of research, data, and facts that will help you understand the deeper issues behind loving animals, why it's important for us, and especially our wildlife, not just African wildlife, but all creatures great and small, that we share our one and only home, Earth, With so many people we hear of today, authors, filmmakers, conservationists, passionate community members, leading scientists... You got started because one day they came across that piece of information that changed their lives, fanned the flame of the, their passion, and they went with it. And the more they learned, the more they began to become our teachers, our warehouses, our libraries, so to speak, of all the little pieces large, and large uh, data collection of everything we know to fill the gaps and niches in the big picture. That's all it takes any single piece of information, and we can begin to change the world. We can evolve into the beings we can be. Do I really have to ask, what does this have to do with us? us? We can compare the legal and illegal ivory trade to the awareness that was erased by blood diamonds or conflict-free diamonds. How far we've come in that industry in terms of Western and cultural awareness and reorientation. Is amazing, however, it still has not stopped the deplorable conditions on the ground and the civil disobedience that surrounds the issues. But there is no such thing as conflict free ivory. Elephant poaching is at its worst in decades, along with seizures of ivory at its highest levels ever. In 2012, raiders on horseback charged into one of Cameroon's national parks and with military precision slaughtered hundreds of elephants, entire families, using AK-47s and rocket-propelled grenade launchers in one of the worst concentrated killings since 1989 and the implementation of the CITES ivory ban. A similar slaughter was carried out in 2006 in Chad's Zakuma National Park. You can imagine the bloody scene. Mothers and babies together, all dead in their tracks in groups of up to a 50 as they tried to flee in terror. Tens of thousands of elephants are killed a year to feed the trade in ivory from the Philippines, Thailand, Manila, in the name of cultural history, the Catholic Muslim underground, and even the most seemingly serene of beliefs, that of Buddhism, to bring the money for the monks, the worshippers, and the tourists alike. Buy your blessing outside the monasteries and churches at the mass of curio sellers and traders that lie in the way to salvation. The cultural idea that it is that ivory honors God and the ancestors. In January of 2013, in fear of an impact on palm oil harvests, the villagers in Borneo poisoned nine pygmy elephants at the edge of a palm plantation. The pygmy elephant is the most endangered of all, with about 1,500 left on Earth. The Vatican has taken positions demonstrating commitments to confronting transnational criminal problems such as drug trafficking, terrorism, and organized crime, but has not signed the CITES Treaty on, to banning elephants ivory so is not subject to the ivory ban this is the religious loophole that feeds the philippines thai and chinese and asian ivory demands in the black market even though we now have a variety of alternative solutions for much of the practical uses that used to be used for ivory billiard balls piano keys and brush handles ivory has long been held to be worth more than gold the trade in ivory is directly linked to a long list of religious uses from the days of the Mastodon and pre-Christian pagans all the way to today's modern Christian practices and religious icons. The Pope recently released a long and convoluted statement placing the issue of ivory and whether to buy or or not from the black market or through this religious loophole, at the individual representative's church, that level. But in the end, he did not, and will not, come out in favor of the ban on ivory. This, in effect, increases the the demand for ivory through the so-named religious loophole, the killing of elephants and the highly organized smuggling cartels, down to the chain to the poor and marginalized Africans. The death and trade in ivory continues unabated through the black market for religious purposes. Can we honestly state that today, with its rising middle class and wealth, that China is the main enemy of the elephant? I'm sorry, I meant to say we can honestly state today that China is the enemy of the elephant. In the 1960s and 70s, the drought in East Africa decimated decimated huge numbers of elephants into the thousands that resulted in large caches of legal ivory, that in which elephant dies from natural causes. In 1989, when the ban on ivory by CITES was voted in unilaterally across the world, except for the Vatican, about one elephant was dying every minute. In 1997, the president of Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe, declared that elephants take so much space and resources that they must pay their way through their ivory. In 1989, George W. Bush unilaterally banned ivory imports into the U.S. Yet in 1999, CITES allowed the one-off sale of ivory, both legal and illegally captured or seized, from elephants who were poached or died naturally, to Japan in what was now called the Japan Experiment. The Elephant Trade Information System, EITS, was created at that time to, in theory, monitor whether or not this one-off sale would increase the illegal trade and poaching of live elephants across Africa. The EITS, set up by Traffic which is a subsidy of the World Wildlife Fund, a publicly supported charity and operates in collaboration with the IUCN, which is the International Union for Conservation of Nature of Endangered Flora and Fauna, and CITES, which is the Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species, while also guided by the Endangered Species Act, which enforces and through its various entities that we discussed last week, Help to fund the international laws and make laws in trafficking ivory into the U.S. and elsewhere around the world under the ESA and the United States Fish and Wildlife Service. The problem here is that the reportage of seizures of ivory in the past had been scanty, if reported at all, and held within those countries that the traffic had offices on the ground. So that off time leads to the supposition of collusion and corruption. So by the time the 2011 CITES meeting came around to discuss the sale of ivory caches throughout African regions, those where le- ivory—excuse uh, me—elephant hunting is still allowed, and Kenya where it is banned, there was little real data for that body, the EITs, to use that showed the reality of the increase in elephant poaching and the increased demand for ivory in the Far East, Asia, and China. The national and international governments and agencies we fund, employ, and depend upon to monitor the trade in ivory and the killing of elephants is often misleading and confusing for the average person to understand. They are letting us down through their own internal agendas and convoluted political machinations, corruption, incorrect or often falsely used data from research, glanding, glad-handing, and misinformation – by putting blinders and restrictions on research and researchers or being in bed with one another through one loophole or business deal or another. Our very system to protect this iconic species is leading to their very extinction because of a body part that is simply an external tooth, ivory, that happens to be an amazingly and astoundingly beautiful material and is fueling the unchecked illegal trade through the very avenues that are in place that legally allow the killing, culling, and collection of ivory and natural deaths. A combination of CITES, EITS, TRAFFIC, MIC, which stands for the Monitoring of Illegal Killing of Elephants, and a handful of of well-known NGOs is leading us down an ephemeral track of smoke and mirrors. We can be proud of Kenya and her stance, both in 1989 and 2011, to ban all sales of ivory and to end all killing of elephants. No hunting licenses whatsoever. The only time an elephant is killed in Kenya is when it becomes a quote-unquote problem elephant. And by that we mean one that has, has become a danger to people or is a crop raiding. And in doing so, Kenya's president, Daniel Arap Moy, at the time, notwithstanding the other things that can be said about the man, with the help and direction of Richard Leakey, who was the head of the wildlife services at that time, (laughs) excuse me, they made a global point about ivory and the loss of elephants by burning, in a very public statement covered by the global media, a 20-foot pile of cached ivory, totaling 12 tons. In July 2011, Kenya again made a global stand for the continued ban on international ivory sales and a comment to the black market and a point to the CITES that was leading up to another discussion about whether they would continue the ban or lift it for another sale of ivory by burning another five tons of ivory worth approximately $16 million on the international market and that estimate is low by today's black market values and for which a final final carved piece could sell for a million dollars alone. Not everyone involved in the effort to preserve the African elephant agrees that banning the ivory trade is a good idea. Some conservationists and politicos say that they fear a ban merely drives the trade underground, makes it impossible to control, and possibly end in the disappearance of the elephant as a species altogether. They cite the example of the black rhinoceros. When trading in rhino horns was internationally banned, they say, the illegal market flourished with the result that only 3,700 black rhinos remained in Africa. But history is telling us otherwise. We are losing our rhinos at an unprecedented rate, and now we are the elephant is following the rhino's footsteps, the, the, as well as the African and Asian elephants. Is that something we really want to be responsible for today? Is that the legacy we today want to leave behind? What makes elephants so special anyway, besides their ivory? Well... For one, they are the largest terrestrial mammal, and they have existed for millennia, from their ancestors, the woolly mammoth and mastodons, to the pygmy, forest, and savanna elephants we have today. What makes them unique, not only in comparison to all other living things, but to our very survival? Here are some interesting elephant facts. Asian elephants have three toes in the back and four in the front. African elephants have four toes in the back and five in the front. The skin between their toes is webbed, making them excellent swimmers. In fact, elephants have been known to swim more than 300 miles in search of land and food. Elephants' skull structure is similar to that of whales, dolphins, and porpoises, allowing them to float uh, and, and swim the biogeographical science of mass versus landscape and worldview and physiological needs of an animal, the elephant has big ears to enable them to cool their enormous body mass by flapping their huge ears in the breeze, cooling the blood which then circulates throughout their body as they cannot sweat. Elephants have intense and emotional complex and social lives. They shed tears when emotionally distressed. They have the combined genetic memories of centuries to help them survive during lean times. They can live in deserts, forests, and savannas. They are landscape architects, creating space for a huge variety of other mammals to survive. The female's birth canal is unlike any other mammal in existence, the newborn traveling a circuitous route to life. Gestation for a female newborn is 22 months, a male newborn 24 months. Elephants, like humans and dolphins, use midwives during the birthing process and it is the midwife who helps to ensure the newborn takes its first breath of life in what is now going to be an ever-increasing difficult world to live in. Adult elephants eat three to 400 pounds of food per day. Consisting of grasses, leaves, bamboo, bark, and roots. They also eat crops like bananas, sugarcane, and corn grown by farmers, which is the main cause of human elephant conflict the world over. The closest morphological relative to the elephant is the hyrax, a small furly mammal often associated with rodents, but more closely related to the elephant. Elephants have six teeth throughout their lifetime and do not fully chew their food. Their stomachs do most of the hard work, and some tree seeds simply cannot germinate without having gone through the elephant's stomach and process, exposed to the acids and pushed out into their rich dung to take root in shallow and the sometimes poor nutritional soils across Africa. So that's a little bit about elephants and uh, a little background. We're heading into a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the elephant in the room.
1: W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to WildEyes at WildEyes.org. That's W I L D I Z E at W I L D I Z E dot ORG. Now, back to our wild world.
2: And we're back talking about the elephant in the room, which is highlighting the issue that is often not addressed that the crisis the elephant is facing in our world wild world today. Elephants range across sub-saharan Africa from Kenya. Tanzania, Central Africa, South Africa, and up into the southwestern countries of Botswana, Namibia, and Zimbabwe. Elephants are gone from much of their previous wild range due to overpopulation and expansion of human uh, numbers and agriculture and mining concerns throughout much of their former range. However, on the upside of this, recently, created with the knowledge of both GPS and long-term research of the species, elephants' requirements of huge amounts of space is resulting in some of the newly created trans-frontier national parks forming corridors between neighboring countries. This is a strategic species survival plan. We've gotten to a point where we need to identify particular habitats with high biodiversity that contain elephants to find a way to continue the survival of the species as they are no longer able to simply range roam and feed where they used to because of us the iucn species survival plans endangered species act and a huge variety of international national government and private organizations working together to create these strategic plans for the survival of the elephant over the next 10 years If we can't do that, create and focus on the near future by defining the minimum and best habitat that is also high in diversity, we will not have elephants in as little as a decade. As our world, and Africa in particular, become more westernized, populated, and developed for logging and cattle and agriculture, it opens up accessibility to land that previously held refuge for elephants. The same is happening in Indonesia and in China. As China, the middle class, expands and climbs the economic ladder, the demand for ivory, for religious icons, and honoring the ancestors is increasing as never before. They are gearing up, not scaling back. The illegal, illegal ivory that is seized, the slaughters we hear about that are, such as that reported in the New York Times, in late uh, 2012 represents only a fraction of the devastation that is happening now to our world's elephant populations. In the National Geographic October 2012 special issue, Blood Ivory, by investigating Investigative journalist Brian Christie and his crews, there is a chart that will show you in iconography the numbers of elephant tusks seized throughout the Far East and Asia from 1989, when the ban on ivory was instituted, through 2011. So you don't have to go dig that issue out. Here's some of the numbers for you India, 14,900 pounds. Singapore, 17,700 pounds, Malaysia, 18,800 pounds, Japan, 19,900 pounds, Philippines, 23,500 pounds, Vietnam, 29,600 pounds, Taiwan, 4,500 pounds, Hong Kong, 45,500 pounds, Thailand, 47,100 pounds, and China weighs in at a whopping 90,600 pounds. So do the math. That's 347,200 pounds of ivory that we know of. At an average of approximately 22 pounds of ivory per tusk, at typically two adult, tu- two tusks per adult elephant, this represents at least 173,600 elephants during that time frame. And this is on the rise with tens of thousands alone killed in 2012 and we're only two months into 2013 with the reported death on average of 67 elephants per day in Tanzania alone. Since 2004 in Gabon, a recorded 11,000 have been killed to date. Are you listening here? Have you done the math? At the turn of the century, the 20th century, there were a few million African elephants and about 100,000 Asian elephants. Today, there are an estimated 450,000 African elephants and between 35,000 and 40,000 wild Asian elephants. And about 2,000 of this total number are in zoos. A country's elephant population is considered to be in, in decline if 50% or more of the mortalities, deaths, are due to illegal kills, a threshold far surpassed by most Afri- African countries in 2011. In 2011, elephant poaching and seizures hit the highest records in decades. As we lead up to the March 2013 CITES meeting in Bangkok, which once again will bring up the ban on uh, uh, international trade and sale of ivory and whether it will allow those countries that still have elephant hunting available to be sold in another one-off sale. Uh, as I was talking about before, the EITS, the elephant monitoring system, had incorrect data. They were not necessarily tracking how well the sale or what this sale of one-off China to Japan uh, did to increase the poaching and illegal killing of elephants through the data over the last of 10 years, 5 years since the last CITES meeting, we have found that it did absolutely increase the illegal killing of elephants. The slaughter continues and African governments are on high alert. There is no other time in our history and living memory that the imperiled elephant is literally crying out and needs our help now. So what can you do? How can you help? I'd like to give you some simple solutions of projects that WildEyes has identified on the ground that are making a difference, which we provide financial support to through donations from people like you. You can visit our website to learn more about these projects and elephant conservation at www.wildeyes.org. At this point in time, WildEyes is focused on elephant projects in Kenya, is that is the hub and epicenter of the illegal trade routes out of the country and into Asia. It is there where the Kenyan Wildlife Service, the police, customs, and people need all the help they can get to reduce the poaching and identify the culprits and infiltrate into a following the black market trade routes out of the continent and hopefully put a halt or at least slow down this trade. Oftentimes when we're talking about uh, elephant ivory, we are talking about it in hindsight. We are talking about that which has been seized. That means all the elephants are already dead. What is this doing to population viability? An elephant has a, a baby once every two years. That baby is dependent on the mother and the matriarchal group for up to six years, Female elephants stay within the group for their entire lives. The bull elephants are moved out after about after reaching about 12 years old, where they go into uh, bull groups, and uh, we have very little understanding about those dynamics of what the bulls do. A lot of the trophy hunting that goes on today is geared toward these big bulls and what we know as tuskers, those with big ivory. So what are we doing to the genetic population, the genetic memory, the combined consciousness of elephants when we go in and say because an area is overpopulated with elephants that we do a cull, a legal cull, which is killing a family or an extended family of elephants up to 50 to 100 members at a time. It used to be that the babies of these calls and killings were kept aside, chained to the legs of their mothers, uh, so they witnessed all this horror, and then those babies would be sold to international zoos. And we wonder sometimes when we hear in the news of an elephant that has gone berserk uh, because of a trainer or uh, a situation where it triggered a fear and a terror and a suppressed memory in an elephant. They have highly emotional lives, as emotional and complex as us. We just don't understand it all yet, but we are learning. There are incredible studies done by uh, many elephant groups. Uh, there's J- Joyce Poole in Amboseli in Kenya. There's Katie Payne, who wrote and discovered about the elephant communicate- communications through infrasound. The elephant voice can carry, uh, the one that we can hear, can carry up to 5 to 10 miles. But it is their infrasound, that sound which is below our human hearing, that we can't hear, that we can't pick up, which travels through the ground up to 50 miles. When author Lawrence Anthony, who wrote the book Elephant Whisperer, uh, he rescued a group of seven elephants that were out of control at the KwaZulu-Natal uh, South African Park. He took them into his private reserve and gave them a second chance. When Lawrence Anthony died in 2011 or 2012, I'm not sure of the date, within two days, the, all the elephants within the area came to his house to pay their respects. How did they know this? That's a question we'll never answer, and it's a mystery, and it would be such a shame to lose our elephants before we had an opportunity to find out more about these majestic animals. So now into some of the Wild Eyes projects that we're supporting. Uh, you can find any of these projects and this information that I've been talking about on the web, uh, and uh look it up and I'll also be providing some websites. The information for this today's show I have taken from research, online research, CITES, the IUCN and the National Geographic issue, Blood Ivory. So uh, if any mistakes and incorrect facts are my problem my issue and my error. Please feel free to give me a call uh, at our call-in number of uh Oh, I forgot, and I don't have my note. Five seven eight seven. Sorry about that. Or you can send me an email at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at wildeyes.org. You can go to our website at wildeyes.org and learn more about our projects. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, the iRadio blog and LinkedIn where we have several discussion groups going about our wild world. So one of the first projects I'd like to tell you about that Wild Eyes is supporting through donations and funds gained through donors like you is Space for Giants. This project takes place in Kenya and its mission is to secure a future for the largest mammals on Earth forever, to be enjoyed by humanity by ensuring that they have the space and security to live and move freely in the wild forever. Securing space for the largest mammal on earth is a good start. And by protecting them, we are also protecting the myriad of other species that share the same space. This is accomplished through working with governments, conservation organizations, mitigation of human elephant conflict, training scouts and scouts in the monitoring of illegal killing of elephants, coordinating efforts with the IUCN and CITES, and uh, bringing technology to local people and helping to create the strategy and technology for on-the-ground training that will work across these large landscapes and make it available and transfer it to the local people while also implementing strategic plans for organizing and engaging private and government landowners in recognizing the value of having elephants on their land and also working to relieve the pressure on people from the damage that elephants can cause. You can learn more about Space for Giants at www.spaceforgiants.org, all one word. Another project that Wild Eyes has been supporting since 2005 is the Savo elephant research in Kenya. Savo is at the southern part of the eastern part of Savo National Park near the border between Kenya and Tanzania. The uh, CEO and founder of that project is Dr. Barbara McKnight, and her uh, organization is called the Savo Elephant Research. It's located in Kenya, and she has been monitoring the population dynamics of over 800, 800 individually recognized elephants in Savo East National Park. Many of these known elephants have been monitored since 1989. The current focus of her research is on bull social dynamics, seasonal grouping patterns, associations between bulls and their long-term bonds. The results of this research provides important data collection and insight to better understanding bull behavior ecology and filling the gaps in our knowledge of the bulls' complex social interactions. Wild Eyes has been providing funding for this crit- critical research since 2005 through raising funds from people like you. You can visit uh, bar- the, the Savo Elephant research website at www.savoelephants.org and that's spelled t s as in sam a v as in victory o elephants.org. It's amazing research and it's teaching us so much about the bull dynamics we know an awful lot about the matriarchal society of elephants that is the 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 females live together in lifelong groups raising the babies and the children and teaching them what they need to know in order to be elephants when they leave the the, the males leave the group at about 12 years old they go and live in small herds and they need the older bulls to learn their manners, how to be elephants. There was a a time in South Africa that six young bull elephants, less than 20 years old, were translocated into one of the parks there. And the next thing they knew, rhinos were being killed right and left. The solution to that was finally thought of to bring in seven older bull elephants, those that are 35 and 40 years or older. And what do you know, within... a A month or two, these old bull elephants whipped those young bulls right into shape and taught them what elephant manners are and the things that elephants just don't do. So we'll be back with some more projects right after the break. And in the meantime, please give us a call, uh, (laughs) 1-866-472. I keep forgetting the number, 5787, I believe. It will come on through the uh, commercial. Visit our website at www.wildeyes.org to learn more about our organization and what you can do in these projects that I'm talking about. And while you're there, donate now. Elephants need your help. Wild Eyes will ensure that your contribution goes to the project, and accomplishes the most good where it's it's intended and where it's needed most. Please take a a moment and visit our website, uh, join in on our discussions and blogs, join us on Twitter, share us on Facebook, and we look forward to hearing from you. We'll be right back. (laughs)
1: stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time, the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger without them. Our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. w-i-l-d-i-z-e dot o-r-g the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you're listening to ellie weiss and our wild world
2: And Welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss in Our Wild World, and we're talking about the elephant in the room, which is highlighting how elephants are in our everyday lives, whether we quite realize it or not, through piano keys, billiard balls, brush handles, and the illegal and illicit ivory trade that is decimating elephant populations across Asia and Africa in particular. Uh, with the increased uh, economic solidity and climbing the economic ladder of the Chinese middle class, China is the number one enemy of the elephant today. I hope you'll listen back if you're just tuning in to the rest of this show and learn about some of the facts and the history and what is going on with the elephant poaching and black market trade in ivory today. We left before the break talking about some of the projects that Wild Eyes supports through donations of people like you. Without people like you, Wild Eyes cannot accomplish our work. We need your help. Elephants need your help. Wildlife conservation needs your help. I know that it's difficult with all the things going on during our daily lives, our stressors and the busy world, the single parents, everything, the children, all we have to do. But I beg you and urge you to please take time and think outside of yourself for just a little bit and think of the rest of our wild world and all the animals and varied species and uh, beings that we live with on this earth that make our world what it is today. Whether you want to call the creator God or whatever your belief is, we share this world with an amazing assortment of beings. We don't need to look in outer space for life. We have an unlimited amount of life here, but that is changing due to us. We humans have been designing and manipulating the world to suit our needs. We are now the most powerful species on earth, making choices of what lives or dies. You can be a part of this choice. You can sit back and say, oh, it doesn't affect me, it's so far away. Or you can say, it does affect me, and take a stand, speak out, take action, and care. And oftentimes in wildlife conservation, that care does translate down to money. We cannot do what we do in saving wildlife and working with the projects on the ground without money. As much as I would like to say that we don't need it, we do. And your donation, no matter how small or large, can make a huge difference in the life of an animal. We were talking about some of the projects WildEye supports. Another one that you may have heard of is the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust in Kenya. This was an organization created by Dame Daphne Sheldrick, who has written a fabulous book that we talked about last week on our episode with Manny Mvula, Love, Life, and Elephants. Dame Daphne Sheldrick has contributed to a large majority of the knowledge that we have today about elephants. It was her work over the past 50 years as to how to keep an orphan elephant alive during those critical stages from newborn to early childhood. Prior to her work and understanding the formula that was needed, which is a very different formula than, let's say, cow's milk or human baby milk or even an impala, is critical to those first few days of a newborn baby elephant's life. You'd be surprised how many elephants are orphaned at this stage of their life as newborns. As a result of killings, cullings, or poaching, or falling into wells, or falling in, uh, getting stuck into mud pots, baby elephants are at risk. Uh, the matriarchal group does everything in its power to protect the babies. They have an incredible system uh, that they have worked out to keep the babies alive but accidents do happen and an uh, elephant group cannot always stay around that long whether by threat or danger they must move on so it is up to the human component and uh, the villages who are around these water wells to report the the, the appearance or um, make a, a, a report of a baby elephant that has been orphaned. The David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust will come in through planes, pe- personnel and people and veterinarians will travel all over Kenya at the drop of a hat to rescue a baby elephant and bring it back to the shelter in in Nairobi where the main office is just outside of Nairobi National Park and raise that orphan with the company of keepers. These men are incredible in their relationships with these baby elephants and bring these elephants back to health. From that point on, when they're about two or three years old, then they will be moved to the uh, Sanctuary uh, Rehabilitation Center in Voi, which is in Savo East National Park. From there, they will live for the next few five or eight years, and make the decision on their own. As to whether and when they decide to join the wild herds. The key point about the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust and these orphans is these, that these baby elephants are raised by their human companions to learn how to be wild elephants and they do rejoin the wild herds. There have been several elephants that have come back to the shelters, to the uh, rescue centers, I don't want to use the word shelter, and the keepers to show off their new babies and to come Back when they've been wounded, Uh, there you can check out the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust. Their website is sheldrickwildlifetrust.org. S H E L D R I C K Wildlifetrust.org, all one word, where you can adopt an orphan, which will provide for its care and feeding. And also the fun part and joy is to read the journals and the tales of the baby elephants and the keeper's diaries. I urge you to uh, check out this website and adopt a baby elephant. They need our help. You can always donate directly to Wild Eyes Foundation. We distribute our funding to our grantees and ensure that the money that you provide goes to the best and the most needed care. And any one of these projects that I've talked about today, you can support through Wild Eyes Foundation, or you can go directly to their websites and support them that way. There are, of course, many elephant conservation projects throughout Africa. And it is a simple matter of going online and doing a keyword search. Elephant conservation, elephant orphans, elephants need help, poaching, ivory, seizures, China and ivory. Um, And on that note, I would like to highlight that on February 27th, National Geographic is having a the first of a four-part series that is incredibly important called Battle for the Elephants, which is a follow-up to the October 2012 issue Blood Ivory by journalist Brian Christie. This uh, documentary series will give you the visuals behind the written article and bring it to home. So many of us, we need to see what's happening because we don't often have the time to Take the time to research or read these articles. It is important, though, and perhaps once you see what's happening, you'll be spurred to action, to go read more, to search online, and be spurred to make a donation. Follow your passion. We need your help. I am asking, and now that brings us full circle to the title of this episode The Elephant in the Room. Wild Eyes has just recently funded to the tune of $60,000 of which we have raised $20,000 so far from the public uh to create a short 2-minute video that we will uh send virally and use at uh, several different meetings of critical political and conservation meetings to bring awareness of the elephant elephant ivory and critical issue now. I'm asking you, I'm pleading and begging for your help, your cash donation. I'm asking you to step away and make a change and to get involved and to take action. To date, as I've said, we've raised $20,000 of the $60,000 we need to launch and circulate this video that we are making in cooperation with CITES, the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Species of Flora and Fauna, working with the help of Interpol and the IUCN, the International Union of Conservation of Nature, and the Elephant Specialist Group, this film is soon to be released and aired throughout the U.S., U.K., and China, and by you. Uh, we hope once it's released, the the crew has just returned from Kenya and getting the footage. We've got the rough draft together, and uh, we will be releasing it to CITES by the end of the month, and then we'll be releasing it live, online, and virally throughout all our colleagues' networks and uh, your social networks, so we need you. We're using the same technology the poachers are using and the international cartels that are using that is being used to kill these majestic animals. But instead of automatic weapons and poison, we're using the power of the consumer and you, the computer and cell phones and your social networks to send out a positive virus the awareness of the elephant and its plight. We need you and your social network and your financial help to get the message out there. At any time during the show or your day or this week or this year, you can go to wildeyes.org and donate now to support any of the projects that I've talked about or to make a contribution to this short film, The Elephant in the Room, or to support this radio show, Our Wild World. We enlist everyone listening here live or to our archives to socially network this crisis and tune in on February 25th for our special guests, the crew who have just returned from Kenya and make in the making of elephant in the room. And, uh, network this crisis we also urge you to tune in to national geographic channel on february 27th record it or tivo it or whatever it is you can do to tune in and watch this four-part series that will tell you about the crisis in the elephant uh ivory and black market trade We'll have as our special guests the crew on February 25th who've been filming The Elephant in the Room, and we are launching The Elephant in the Room in early March, and you can help make that happen. Once again, you can take action by going to www.wildeyes.org and donating now to support our conservation projects and learn more. So what can you do about this? What is it going to take you, each one of us, all of us, To make a conscious choice to educate, ask questions, and help our fellow humans, all races, creeds, religions, and ethnicities, to become aware that elephants cannot afford any more to be killed for religion and cultural ancestors. Put it on your Facebook pages, tweet it, talk about it in your schools, with children of all ages, colleagues, and neighborhood cocktail parties. The point is that today, with all of our technology, our growth, and personal enlightenment, and increased economic security, there is no reason any human being should be exploiting wildlife for personal gain, vanity, ego, or religious belief. I am not talking about domesticated livestock, which is raised for only one purpose, to serve us either as food or hard labor, which can mean the difference between death and survival. However, even so, we have learned to be humane in our treatment of these species, popular demand, animal rights, ethics, and moral obligations to tell us this is the right thing to do. In a world where our knowledge seems to far exceed our wisdom at times, we are at that tipping point of human evolution, which is deciding the evolution of the rest of the world around us and the living beings we survive with. We don't buy or want carvings from human bones, do we? What's the difference? We revere the ivory for its purity, its beauty, and its power, spiritual and earthly, of the largest land mammal that exists in our world, millennia old and predating our Homo sapiens sapiens' existence by hundreds of thousands of years. Why can we not put that reverence into the wild animal rather than having to hold and kill its wildness in favor of a trinket? Why must we embody ourselves with wildness by killing it for art and value the earth and death or parts of these magnificent species rather than the species itself in its survival? Thinking only of a short-sighted vision of how a piece of carved ivory on a shelf makes us feel. We do not need any longer to honor our ancestors or our lives by the death of other earthings we live with. Please, it's nigh near impossible for me to tell you everything. About the elephant crisis it's a catastrophe unparalleled in our living memory and a current crisis of human consciousness. Beyond listening to this show, watching television and reading, it is imperative that you get involved. Please donate to a project, any project, any elephant project. Take a safari that is responsible and ethical and supports conservation on the ground that includes benefits to the local people who live with our terrestrial giants. We are citizens of the world that is increasingly becoming accountable for our decisions, choices and actions while bemoaning the degradation, chaos and loss around us, wondering who will fix this. It must be somebody's job. Well, everybody, it's our job. We have only one Earth. And if we don't care who will mark your calendars for February 27th. Join our website and our news and our discussions, www.wildeyes.org. And next week we'll be back with the film crew of Elephant in the Room. I look forward to tuning in and talking to you then. Thank you.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week.